And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Get one of the old west and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is February 28th, the 59th day of the year. 306 days remain till the year is over with. And what a date it is. It's National Public Sleeping Day, National Tooth Fairy Day, National Chocolate Souffle Day, I can't talk, Global Scouse Day, that's kind of a stew, I think, National Floor Design Day, Rare Disease Day, Jewish Book Week, Fair Trade Fortnight, Cornish Pastry Week, Peace Corps Week, Telecommuter Appreciation Week, National Fasting February, National Black History Month, International Vegan Cuisine Month, National Hot Breakfast Month, National, excuse me, I hiccuped, Cherry Month, National Bake for Family Fun Month, National Bird Feeding Month, National Library Lovers Month, North American Inclusion Month. And that is a lot of things to celebrate, let me tell you. <clears throat> well, on this day in 2002 BC, Liu Bang is enthroned as the Emperor of China. Begins 400 years of rule by the Han Dynasty. 870, the Fourth Council of Constantinople ends. 1525, the Aztec king is executed on the order of conquistador Hernan Cortez. Destroyed an entire civilization in their search for gold. In 1638, the Scottish National Covenant is signed in Edinburgh. 1844, a gun explodes on board the steamship USS Princeton. I was doing a pleasure cruise on down the Potomac River. He killed six people, including the Secretary of State, Abel Upshur. President John Tyler, who was also on board, wasn't injured. It's always been said that was a uh, an accident, but who knows. 1922, the UK ends its protectorate over Egypt through a unilateral declaration of independence. 1925, the Charlevoix Kamaraska earthquake strikes northeast in North America. 1947, February 28th incident in Taiwan. Civil disorders put down with the loss of an estimated 30,000 civilians. 1948, Christian Borg crossroads shooting in the Gold Coast. British police officer opens fire on a march of ex-servicemen, kills three and spark major riots and looting and uh, Accra. 1953, James Watson and Francis Crick announced to friends they've determined the chemical structure of DNA. The formal announcement takes place April 25th following publication in April's Nature, which was published April 2nd, 1953. 1958, a school bus in Floyd County, Kentucky hits a wrecker truck and plunges down an embankment into the rain-swollen uh, the Visa Fork River. Driver and 26 children die 
and what remains one of the worst school bus accidents in U.S. history. Well, 1959, Discover One, an American spy satellite, that's the first object intended to achieve a polar orbit is launched, but fails to achieve orbit. Turns out something was already in a polar orbit. It's known as the Black Knight. Uh, 1966, a NASA T-38 Talon crashes into the McDonnell Aircraft Factory while attempting to pour visibility landing at the Lambert Field in St. Louis. Kills astronaut uh, Elliot C. and Charles Bassett. 1974, the British election ending in a hung parliament after the Jeremy Thorpe-led Liberal Party achieved their biggest vote. Um, 1975 in London, an underground train fails to stop at Moorgate Terminus Station and crashes into the end of the tunnel. Kills 43 people. Uh, 1980, Andalusia approves its statute of autonomy through a referendum. On this day in 1983, the final episode of MASH aired with almost 106 million viewers. Still holds the record for the highest viewership of a final season. Uh, 1986, Olaf Palme, 26th Prime Minister of Sweden, is assassinated in Stockholm. 1991, on this date, the first Gulf War ended. Uh, 1993, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms agents raided the Branch Davidian Church in Waco, Texas. They had a warrant to arrest the group's leader, David Koresh. Before they got done, four ATF agents and six Davidians who had died in the initial raid started a 51-day standoff. 1997, an earthquake in northern Iran is responsible for about 3,000 deaths. 1997, GRB 970228, a highly luminous flash of gamma rays strikes the earth for 80 seconds. Provides early evidence that the gamma ray burst occur well beyond the Milky Way. 1997, a Turkish military memorandum resulted in the collapse of the government in Turkey. 2000, excuse me, two, during a religious violence in uh, Guharat, 97 people were killed in the Naroda Pattaya massacre and 69 in the, the Galbarg Society massacre. 2004, over 1 million Taiwanese participated in the 228 hand-in-hand rally for form of 500 kilometer, that's 310 miles, long human chain to commemorate the February 28th incident in 1947. And if you'll remember, uh, that was the uh, civil disorders put down with the loss of an estimated 30,000 civilians. That's a lot of people, let me tell you. 2005, a suicide bombing at a police station results in uh, uh, 127 dead. It was a police recruiting center actually. And in 2013, Pope Benedict XVI resigns as the Pope of the Catholic Church, becoming the first Pope to do so since Pope Gregory XII in 1415. He thought he would take a little time and smell the flowers, so to speak. Now, we've got uh, a number of things we've talked about. Now, yesterday we were talking about secret societies. 
secret cults. And of course, as I said, each secret society has its own vocabulary and explanations. Each developed a system of lessons and degrees to educate its members and bring them slowly up through the ranks until they learn some great cosmic truth. Now, some of these organizations, as I said, are dedicated to the devil and all of his work. Others are theologically oriented, naming acquiring a closer relationship with God. The Orient is especially filled with such groups, ranging from the esoteric cultists in the Himalayas to the secret assassins of Persia and India. And whether you want to believe it or not, the cult of the assassins still exists. Now, advanced members of some of these groups are said to possess powers of teleportation and astral projection. The llamas of Tibet are supposed to be able to whip out thought forms and elementals at will through so force of mind. Now, one group that has a habit of congregating on isolated hilltops to meet and converse with materializations is the gypsies. I've heard it said they originally originated in Egypt and others said they originated in Eastern Europe. Nobody really knows for sure. I don't think even the gypsies know. The voodoo rites of Africa and Haiti call upon these mysterious entities to materialize. And voodoo demonic possession seems to be a commonplace. And the zombie myths may have a solid basis in fact. Evil entities are supposedly called forth by the, the voodoo priest to perform uh, sinister deeds. Papa Doc Duvalier, late president of Haiti, maintained power by fostering the belief he directly controlled the voodoo elementals. Which doctors of Africa and Judo practitioners in uh, South America are also credited with the ability to summon up uh, ultra-terrestrials and put them to work. But the process works in reverse as well, with the entities eventually controlling the masters. The literature on secret societies uh, describes uh, many materializations of fearsome demons who frequently give out orders, directing the cultists to commit acts of murder and political subversion. To disobey means death, either at the hands of fellow members or the entity itself. So the ultra-terrestrials are able to guide and control human events through evil men lusting for power. A young Jordanian in California named Sirhan Sirhan studied the Rokshushan doctrines of inspired treatments of mysticism, practiced self-hypnosis and automatic writing, Apparently, he was hoping to find a way to achieve power and prestige. In the event, he ended up in a hotel kitchen with a smoking pistol in his hand, and Senator Robert F. Kennedy, presidential candidate, dead at his feet. At his trial, Sirhan claimed he had no memory of that night after he entered the hotel. Witnesses said they'd seen him talking with a man who may have been Mexican or an Oriental. In the courtroom, he spoke of seeing celestial beings. He was also um, seen in the company of a young lady in a polka dot dress. Now, what's most interesting is Robert Kennedy was shot in the back of the head. 
Sirhan Sirhan never got closer than three feet. And after he fired his first shots, Rosie Greer fell on him like a mountain. So there's a lot that was never explained about the assassination of Robert Kennedy. You know, fire usually plays an important role in secret rites. Rosicrucians practice staring at a candle flame, trying to make the flame obey their will. In the rites of witchcraft, the devil said to materialize inside a bonfire, stepping forward to have sexual intercourse with the witches. And according to all reports, his penis had said, is always ice cold. Now, sex is heavily intermixed with cultist rites and beliefs, particularly in black magic, witchcraft, and even spiritualism to a certain extent. A number of famous spirit mediums admit to the practice of having sexual intercourse just before a, a big seance. Apparently, sex is said to, to simu- stimulate contact with the spirit world. On the other side of the coin, though, there's the ancient belief that uh, continence is the best defense against demonic interference. One large cult centered in the Soviet Union, of all places, contends that sexless men will one day rule the world. If you don't believe me, go check out the House of Representatives. Male believers are, are actually castrated. It's rumored that former Soviet Premier uh, Georgi Malenkov was a member of this group. And of course, numerous religious religions demand absolute celibacy of their priest. The world of belief is a world of extremes, it would seem. Now, in UFO lore, there exist several reports from different parts of the world describing how young men were taken aboard flying saucers and invited to have sexual intercourse with blonde space women with long fingers and oriental features. This would be, appears to be a variation of the, the moon children and succubus phenomena, so well known in religion and occult lore. The reverse of this is the equally well-known incubus, or demon lover, that forces his attention on sleeping females. There are UFO cases involved this as well. California school teacher named Cordelia Donovan claims in 1966 she met a man in a long white robe who kidnapped her in a black Cadillac and gassed her. When she woke up, she was on board a flying saucer where she was raped by a well-endowed spaceman. There are innumerable rumors of space babies being born in England and Australia and South America, Mexico, even the United States. Such stories have had a great impact on some UFO cults who fear the flying saucer fiends are engaged in a massive biological experiment. Apparently they want to create a hybrid race that will eventually take over the Earth. What's left of it? Theologians and psychiatrists have been trying to cope with the incubus-succubus phenomena for years, but uh, no reasonable medical or psychological explanations have ever been developed. Many cases can be found in the psychiatric and occult literature, and author Brad Steiger cites dozens in two of his books, Sex and the Supernatural and Haunted Lovers. Now, the long-fingered and blonde elementals have intruded into every aspect of human existence, even including sex. Male and female cultists have apparently been submitting their persons to these lascivious spirits for millennia. They came to us first with the flutter of angels' wings. Now they rape us on board flying saucers. The game remains a chain, the same, only the outward trappings change. 
rights to rouse elementals have endured century after century. And let's face it, folks, if they didn't work, that'd have been eventually abandoned long ago. So apparently they do work for some, and those who have results write more forbidden books to perpetuate the practices. Now, in magic lore, there's black magic and white magic. The black magicians supposedly control or are controlled by uh, these evil entities. The white magicians summon up angels and good guys of all stripes. Tradition has it the two groups have been in continual conflict throughout history, constantly waging a magical war on one another. One of the standard rites for materializing an angel requires the services of a child somewhere in between six and eight. After an altar is set up, candles are lit, the child kneels, and the magician chants certain prayers meant to call out the invisible forces around us. Ceremony is repeated for three days near an open window. The elemental said to appear at the window in a blaze of light. The magicians are warned not to get too close, or they might come down with nausea and actinic burns and other ailments identical to those reported by low-level UFO witnesses. The descriptions of the gods of the ancient world often include similar warnings. It's supposed to be dangerous if not fatal to look directly at a god. Maybe because some of these materializations are composed of pure electromagnetic energy and radiate massive doses of X-rays, gamma rays, and ultraviolet rays. Such rays would produce the, those medical effects. Conjunctivitis and inflammation of the eyes is a commonly observed effect among UFO witnesses. Both the literature of the secret societies and more readily available general cult literature warns about the hazards of these practices. Poorly informed, emotionally unstable practitioners can be overwhelmed by the forces that they can actually either intentionally or accidentally release. Blundering amateur wizard can become possessed or driven insane or Experience uh, elaborate hallucinations for extended periods of time. All kinds of weird manifestations can descend on him or her, ranging from poltergeist to violent physical attacks by invisible hands. These classic psychic attacks are very similar to the problems suffered by some innocent UFO witnesses. Contact these after their sightings begin. The two phenomena really do seem to be inexorably linked. Now, modern science, with its obsession about the physical universe and the physical laws that run with it, is only about 300 years old. Eighty percent of all the scientists who ever lived are living right now. Although, in truth, most of them are technologists and engineers rather than pure scientists. But that's a point we're just going to gloss over, so to speak. Science is successfully suppressed, was successfully suppressed throughout the uh, Dark Ages and even the 17th century. But another type of science did exist and has existed for eons, and that's the science of magic. Ironically, magical beliefs of the past 5,000 years are based on the same principles that rule modern scientific thought. The study of atomic structure and electromagnetic energy. Astrology, the forerunner of astronomy, was a highly advanced science thousands of years ago. Some of the ancient calendars and records are so accurate and so detailed that there's been speculation the ancient astrologers uh, may have had telescopes and other sophisticated instruments. They didn't, 
then they had to get some help and guidance from somebody who understood the structure of the universe. Early astrologers were, of course, priests and magicians, and they systematically cataloged the physical objects in the heaven, naming them, interpreting their influence on man and human events. In actuality, astrology became the first mathematical science. Now, while the astrologers were putting mathematics to work, other men were delving into the mysteries of the physical planet we call Earth, cataloging metals and elements and chemicals and learning how to combine them into new forms. These were the ones we called alchemists, the sorcerers' appearances, so to speak. They all dreamed of finding some way to turn lead into gold. During some periods in history, the alchemists were supported by kings, while in other periods they were the victims of superstitious purges that forced them to go underground. The secret societies preserved and circulated hundreds of manuscripts who were half science, half mysticism. And many alchemists first entered the field after encounters with ultra-terrestrials and became the, I guess you could say, the predecessors of men like Cyrus Teed. Men who were students of astrology and alchemy and magic all at once served as the educated elite during uh, very long periods of history, acting as priests and scientists and educators. Some of them belonged to another elite group, the Master Stonemasons. And they would have put their knowledge to work by designing the great stone monuments and engineering the methods by which they were built. In time, these master stonemasons formed a fraternity to preserve their occult secrets and assist one another as they wandered from place to place seeking work. And this was the beginning of what we call the Masonic Order. And as centuries passed, the order expanded to include businessmen and educators and leaders and even talk show hosts. And although the modern Masonic movement is looked upon with some suspicion by the various uh, non-Masonic groups, ufologists delight in pointing out that most of the men who signed the Declaration of Independence were Masons, or as was Joseph Smith, founder of the Mormon religion. You know, Masonic lore has found its way into many of our governmental symbols and institutions, including the Great Seal of the U.S., which bears the, logo, uh, the slogan, Novus Ordo Seclorum, the New Order for the Ages. The design for the Great Seal is supposed to have been handed to Thomas Jefferson in his garden one night by a mysterious stranger dressed in a cape with a hood over his head. You know, the, the superbus have scuffled through history books to try to pinpoint the origin and location of the fabled uh, supergovernment and the identities of its members. One group believes they are key industrialists, particularly uh, munitions makers and bankers. Others have produced dozens of books advocating anti-Semitism and claiming a secret inner circle of Jews has been working for generations on a plan to take over the world. One of the most vicious and most successful racist books ever written came out of Russia in the 1800s. It was called The Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Now, this book was a hoax, but it purports to be the Jewish master plan for gaining control of the world's gold in the press. Oddly enough, Adolf Hitler seemed to have used protocols as a guidebook in his bid for power. Now, Jewish... Uh, cultists have fought back with their claim that a, it's a Catholic conspiracy that exists. Jesuit priests were a favorite target of this group. Now it is a fact that Jesuits engaged in so many political conspiracies in the 18th century. The 
Vatican was compelled to dissolve the order in 1773. Now, it was reestablished in 1814. Today, the order is largely confined to running schools such as Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. Following World War II, men like Jay, I'm really in charge, Edgar Hoover, and the late Senator, Senator Joseph, uh, you look like a commie to me, McCarthy, gave impetus to the public paranoia with the communist conspiracy. And this was partially based on the spread of left-wing beliefs during the social unrest of the 30s when intellectuals and working men embraced temporarily the communist ideology. Based partly on Joseph Stalin's mad machinations in the early days of the Cold War, gradual thaw that followed Stalin's death and the public revelations of his outrageous purges ultimately broke the Communist Party in the U.S., though I think it's reconstituted itself today. The numerous organizations and groups that have been dedicated to combating the, the partly real and partly illusory communist threat began to founder and look for some new cause to scream about. They found it when, in his final speech as president, White Eisenhower issued a guarded warning about the growth of what he termed the military-industrial complex. This sort of group scurried back to the earlier literature on the super-government extended uh, Ike's warning to include religion and came up with the religious military-industrial conspiracy. That's a plot against humanity, don't you know, which supposedly included the churches, the Pentagon, and huge industries that were churning out weapons that have never been used. In fact, I've heard it said that probably half of them wouldn't work if our lives depended on it. By the end of the 1960s, our social and political problems had generated a whole maze of new supposed conspiracies. The extreme right and left wings found themselves in the absurd position of advocating the same beliefs and fears. Everything from sex education to the fluoridation of water became an issue in the context of their somewhat bizarre beliefs. As they stumbled about searching for a new explanation behind the universal madness, many of the groups ranging from the John Birch Society to the hippie movement, rediscovered the Illuminati. The communist conspiracy was nearly forgotten as everybody went after the Illuminati. Well, the question became, do the Illuminati even exist today? Well, frankly, it's somewhat unlikely. The groups have confused some of the earlier secret societies with the process of mystical illumination. Illumined individuals, like water, tend to seek their own level and associate with their own kind. And quite often they would draw from society altogether. There's another form of pseudo-illumination, though, which is actually a form of demonic possession and frequently produces religious fanatics. The majority of all the political assassinations of history were committed by victims of this particular um, scourge. John Wilkes Booth and his nine fellow conspirators were a prime example, as was Leon Zolgosk, who gunned down President McKinley in 1901. The young student who assassinated Archduke Franz Ferdinand of Austria in 1914, which caused World War I, and most recently Benjamin Mendoza E. Amor, the Bolivian artist who attacked Pope John Paul with a knife in 1970. Witnesses said the the latter would be assassinated looked like he's having an epileptic fit, one of the classic symptoms of possession. 
Now, some groups regard these maniacal killers as tools of the sinister Illuminati who have been pressed into service by hypnosis or some other brainwashing technique. And they're quick to point out that Jack Ruby pulled his gun and shot Lee Harvey Oswald after being triggered by an auto horn that suddenly beeped in the basement of the Dallas police station. Now, interestingly enough, nobody's ever determined who blew the horn and why. There shouldn't have been a horn, but there was. Ruby claimed to his dying day he had no memory of entering the police station or firing the shot. Like many major myths, the Illuminati legend began in the Orient. About 275 B.C., Asoka, the emperor of, the, of India, is supposed to have founded the super-secret society of the nine unknown men. The group was founded to collect, study, and protect the secrets of the occult, science, alchemy, astrology, psychology. As late as 1927, Talbert Mundy, a specialist in Oriental lore, was writing about the mysterious nine, implying the society still existed and was still running things from far, far behind the scenes. In the 10th century, young men were enticed into Persia's cult of the assassins through drugs and beautiful young ladies. This organization was founded by Sabah, the old man of the mountains, who was purportedly one of the mystic nine. The cult conducted a reign of terror that continued into this century. In fact, there's a lot of evidence that still exists. They had tremendous political influence during various periods of history. Brainwashed drug members of the cult carried out their orders blindly, even when those orders were suicidal. Similar cult appeared in Afghanistan in the 16th century. This was known as the Roshanaya, the Illuminated Ones. Like the Hashimim assassin uh, cult of Persia, the Illuminated Ones appeared to have been inspired by a prophet in communication with the uh, ultra-terrestrials. Began as a mystical order, quickly degenerated into a band of blind, drug, mentally controlled members. They raised a lot of hell in Afghanistan for a number of generations, and their secret teachings spread to Europe. The uh, Alumbrados, the illuminated one of Spain, appeared around 1600. In France, there was another branch of the Illuminati that caused some excitement in 1654. A professor of canon law at Ingolstadt University in Bavaria, Adam Weishaupt, founded the German Illuminati in the 17th century. One of the stated purposes of the Illuminati was to take over the world and establish a new order that was basically anti-religious. They wanted to get rid of the archaic God-King system and all the tyranny that went along with it. Now this, of course, was an unpopular concept with the established authorities, and great efforts were made to track down and execute the members of this cult. And by the late 1700s, it was thought the movement had been effectively crushed. But the persistent legend of the Illuminati would have been born. They tried at one point to infiltrate and take over the Freemasons, and this gave rise to the still prevalent belief in some quarters the Masons are actually a, a wing of the Illuminati. Following the American Revolution, a vast amount of literature appeared claiming that the uh, United States was actually part of the Illuminati plot had been founded by secret uh, members of the cult. Bureau of, Bill of Rights was, in fact, a very radical document for the period, which is, with its insistence that all men are created equal, there should be freedom of religion, and that the affairs of men should be governed by men elected to office. Illuminati conspiracy attracted the same blind kind of attention in 
early 1800s as the communist conspiracy did in the 1950s. French book uh, entitled La Secte des Illuminés, published in the 1790s, presented a description of the Illuminati initiation rites. And they were very detailed descriptions. The um, But at the end of the day, the descriptions of these um, initiation rites were actually a, a typical magical rite, the rousing of an elemental. And most of the secret cults of ancient modern times are centered around these rites. Most of them have preserved the same truths throughout history with numerous vari- variations. And these same truths were accepted by all the assorted priesthoods, religious orders, and all the early kings were trained to understand and accept them. They also formed the basis for the sciences of astrology, alchemy, witchcraft, and black magic. Terminology differed from group to group, of course. Each had a different label for the various aspects, but they all believed and still believe, frankly, that uh, these, in these basic supernatural facts. The first and most important secret that has been carefully guarded and withheld from the public at large is that two or more worlds exist composed of different forms of matter but occupying the same space. Part of the teachings of all cults include elaborate definitions for these different forms of matter with the nonsensical terms are translated into modern terminology but it's apparent that these teachings are concerned with advanced physics, nuclear energy, atomic structure and things that have only recently been discovered by modern science. Electrical energy is also discussed at great length in terms of vibrations, and this material can be easily translated into contemporary terms of wavelength and frequencies. Ancient man knew that the smashing of atoms yielded pure energy. He knew the human eye could only see a tiny portion of the electromagnetic spectrum, and he believed that other worlds or realities existed beyond the limitations of his sight. This was known by early man. This is not something new. Spectre, the ancient word for ghostly apparition, sprang from spectrum. Early people observed that these objects or entities were able to reflect or cast off light, uh, light wavelengths from the entire visible spectrum from violet at one end to red at the other. And they knew they were seeing transmagnifications of electrical energy. Countless modern UFO reports describe these same color changes. UFOs often appear first as a purplish blob and then descend the visible scale until they turn red, at which point they sometimes solidify into seemingly material objects. I mean, the ancient literature discusses at great length. Dualism, particularly uh, stressed in the Orient, separates the world of the mind from the world of the physical. It is believed the human mind and consciousness are merely a part of a larger universal mind, and that with proper training and study we can Learn to tap that universal mind. On the simplest level, the masses try to do this with prayer. On the more esoteric level of the cults, it's taught that the mind can be made powerful enough to manipulate atomic energy and control the material uh, world. One of the greatest secrets is that if man can learn to visualize, let's say, a chair and can form every atom of that chair in his imagination, he can actually cause a physical chair to materialize. Or working in reverse, he can dematerialize a physical object. These thought forms even include animated entities, so the rites of magic are 
aimed at concentrating the energy of human minds on a specific point in space and literally wishing a being to appear. In theory, the mind can be forcing electrical energy to assume visible physical form. Now, the infringement of the other worlds beyond the, the visible is the cornerstone of occult belief. The inhabitants of those other dimensions can supposedly manipulate energy much more easily than we can. They can come into our dimension or, or reality and assume temporary physical form. Some can do this on their own. Others require the assistance of human minds before they can materialize. And the secret cults have happily supplied this service for thousands of years. Today, there's a widespread revival of witchcraft. In fact, some American high schools and colleges are conducting courses in witchcraft, which would presuppose the uh, ultra-terrestrials are having a field day. Early man was quite convinced that these invisible worlds existed. This led him to the secret of the ages, belief that mankind was actually controlled by the inhabitants of these other planes or dimensions. And the modes of control became the chief concern of the cultists, magicians, and priesthoods. Political and religious structures were set up to facilitate that control. Dr. Gordon Allen, an aerospace scientist, summarized a lifetime of study in the book he wrote called Enigma Fantastique. You know, now all the, the thousands of pages written on this particular topic may be absolute nonsense. But you can't overlook the unhappy fact that these truths are completely believed by thousands for year of years by the leaders of the world and had an appalling influence over human events and destiny. Bloody religious wars were fought for centuries as the different religions attempted to gain total domination of the known world. And even worse, man's own record of his early history was systematically destroyed by the conflicting factions. The Library of Alexander that Alexandria, Egypt, that housed thousands of years of history, was sacked and burned. In fact, one of the leaders of the forces that sacked it, when asked about destroying all that work, he said, if it's, if it's in the Koran, it's superfluous. If it's not in the Koran, it's evil and should be destroyed. Now that shows you a closed mind. In the destroying of the records of Alexandria, the remnants of early cultures was completely done away with. Then we're given a new history, generously dictated by the extraterrestrials, and we bogged down in the Dark Ages for a thousand years. human race quite willingly turned itself over to the ultra-terrestrials. Went until the 19th century we began to claw our way out from under the occult rule. In 1848, the whole world seemingly exploded. More than 50 major revolutions. Spiritualism was born that year in Wayne County, New York, when two teenage girls, the Fox sisters, learned to communicate with a rapping poltergeist. The Communist Manifesto was published by Karl Marx. Kings were dethroned. There were major political assassinations, just as mysterious as the murder of President Kennedy. First women's suffrage movement got underway in Seneca Falls, New York. In fact, the whole world was suddenly in upheaval. Host of bringing inventors and scientists suddenly appeared almost simultaneously, and the great industrial and scientific revolution got underway. I mean, Thomas Edison was born in 1847. 
you know what he did. Mankind hurtled into a fantastic hundred-year period that was the rapid development of steamboats and railroads and airplanes and finally the atomic bomb. Social structures all over the world were suddenly revised. And ironically, the feared goals of the 17th century Illuminati have now become a reality to millions of people. China and the Soviet Union had gone to an extreme, suppressing religion and carving out totalitarian states that appear to be steps toward uh, robotizing the human race. And now, as just revealed yesterday, there's solid evidence that COVID was intentionally released from a Chinese uh, laboratory. They were going to call the herd, so to speak. But the technological advances and the conflict of political ideologies are insignificant compared to the amazing revolution of the mind that's taken place in the, in the last, what, um, 40 years? Secret cults of the past have been replaced by an eerie mysticism of the drug cults and the hippie movement. And believe it or not, the hippie movement is still alive and well. Young people everywhere are turning to witchcraft and black magic and engaging in a sophisticated form of occultism with attempts to link their mind with the cosmic consciousness. It's easy to see why some organizations and cults are viewing all this with alarm and trying to blame the mystical nine unknown men or the Illuminati. Anyone who studies history carefully can detect the presence of some outside influence. That's an influence that's largely been detrimental, even sinister. Yet the ancient gods and the modern brothers from space have come to us in a benevolent guise. But they've never practiced what they preached. Now, to support this hypothesis, we have to make two basic assumptions. One, the ultra-terrestrials are real in some manner, not merely a psychological phenomena or a myth. And two, that the ultra-terrestrials have a need for communicating with us. Now, if this need exists, then it would be logical for them to create secret societies or even a whole race of people to carry out their wishes. And to be truly effective, such a race would have to be clannish and aloof from the societies in which it moved. It would undoubtedly be so strange and furtive that the outsiders assume surround them with legends and nonsense. And there is a group just like that. They're spread all over the world. And that group we call the Gypsies, the ultimate secret society. Now, nobody really knows where they came from, and even the Gypsies themselves say that. Some tribes have advanced the notion they somehow came from the sky. And we do know that no Gypsies existed before their sudden appearance in Europe in the 14th century. They identified themselves as the Dukes of Egypt. Quickly established themselves as remarkable magicians and clairvoyants and were regarded as the fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy all scattered the Egyptians among the nations. Their talent for sorcery and fortune-telling led to the creation of a whole body of myth. Even the modern Washington Sarah Jean Dixon claims that a wandering gypsy lady gave her her first crystal ball when she was eight years old. And Jean Dixon was remarkably accurate in many of her predictions. I know a former naval officer who has... Uh, quite a, a track record of uh, predictions. You know, gypsies even have their own language, which is derived from Hindu and Tibetan. 
They apparently have no racial ties with the Egyptians at all, but probably came from India and Afghanistan originally. February 1968, a Gypsy tribe established a government in exile in Paris to demand payment of reparations from the Germans for what they suffered during World War II. They claimed that four million Gypsies had died in Hitler's death camps. They also announced their plans to establish uh, Roman, Romanist and Romanistan, where Somaliland is today. Even saw United Nations recognition. Estimated 2 million to 3 million gypsies now live in the United States, so they outnumber the surviving Indians by a large margin. But they've remained a silent majority, um, a minority, remaining by themselves, keeping their children out of public schools, suffering constant persecution without complaint. They don't use the mails, they don't use telephones, yet when a prominent gypsy dies, the word seems to spread instantly, and tribes from all over the country converge for the funeral. They pay no income tax, even though some tribes seem to have um, accrued considerable wealth and ride about in big black Cadillacs. That sound familiar? Egyptian religion is a curious mixture of witchcraft, black magic, and elementalism. Periodically, all the gypsies will jump in their Cadillacs in the middle of the night and drive off to some isolated forest or hilltop where, according to reliable sources, they, they converse with figures who materialize. And they also have a curious habit of turning up in the window areas doing UFO flaps. Morris K. Jessup caused the gypsies to become sort of the part of the UFO lore in the 50s when he got a series of strange letters from a man named Carlos Allende. A couple of these letters were released at a UFO uh, bus and been a source of controversy ever since. 1955, a paperback copy of Jessup's book, The Case for the UFO, arrived in the mail at the Office of Naval Research. Pages of the book were covered with marginal notes, penciled in by three different hands. These comments indicated that the anonymous writers were extremely knowledgeable in UFO matters and made in a couple of, or in fact, a number of pointed references which suggested they were gypsies. And although Jessup himself dismissed the annotations as some kind of hoax, the Office of Naval Research was so impressed they had the whole book retyped and reproduced with the marginal notes printed in different colors. Reproduction was preserved for the Navy by the Vero Corporation in Garland, Texas. One of A.N.D.'s letters to Jessup, dated uh, January 13, 1956, was postmarked Gainesville, Texas, which is about 60 miles north of Garland. Now, only a few hundred copies of this uh, Vero edition were printed, and they were extremely carefully distributed to a select few within the Navy. And since then, it's been almost unobtainable, though very few UFO buffs have, have even seen this uh, unusual document. Now, the annotations discuss the Great Ark, which supposedly circus, circles Jupiter, and has already been discussed uh, in an earlier show, and try to answer some of the questions Jessup raised in his book. Now, another interesting side note to this is Jessup himself was found dead in his automobile in Dade County Park in Coral Gables, Florida, April 20th, 1959. It was believed he committed suicide, though there were those that doubted it. But in spite of the death of Jessup, Carlos Allende has gone marching on. Fantastic array of Allende imposters have turned up over the years to bewilder UFO buffs. 
managed to turn up in several different states at the same time. And all kinds of letters and phone calls have been received by folks in his name. And those who claim to have met him describe him as a swarthy man of Cuban or Spanish extraction. Rides around in a black Cadillac, like any self-respecting uh, MIB would do. Through the late 60s, he was nothing more than a myth banded about in the very limited UFO uh, circle. Then author Brad Steiger obtained a photostatic copy of the Vero edition, used it as the basis of an article in Saga magazine. And he was instantly inundated with new Yindi letters and even a letter from a woman claiming to be a Yindi's widow. Well, in 1969, a man claiming to be Carlos Allende visited uh, Coral and Jim Lens and operated the civilian UFO research group, APRO, in Tucson, Arizona. He gave him an original copy of the Vero publication. Nobody knows how he managed to get a copy. The real Allende, if there really is a real Allende, would have not have had access to a copy. Other mystery men of the Allende type have, been, have haunted UFO researchers for years. In the early 60s, a man uh, calling himself a Zedan Alexander toured the U.S., musing flying saucer enthusiasts and terrifying others. And, of course, the answer to the usual description. Some uh, ufologists claimed he was able to disappear in front of their eyes, visited prominent ufologists in New York, and offered to, f- to finance a newsstand UFO publication. California, he predicted the appearance of UFOs in Santa Barbara and those predictions, wouldn't you know it, became, uh, came to pass. After shaking everybody up, he simply vanished. Next mystery man appeared in Boulder, Colorado during the Colorado University UFO Research Project. Arrived in a chauffeur-driven Cadillac, marched straight into the office of Dr. Edwin Condon, head of the project, and now he was Mr. Dixon and represented the Seventh Universe. Of course, he was a swarthy little man, dark complexion, Wearing dark glasses, he offered to help uh, Condon contact the, the space people, provided he received a substantial amount of money. Now, needless to say, Condon was not exactly enthused, as his job was to poo-poo the entire idea of UFOs. So Mr. Dixon got back in his Cadillac and drove off to a rendezvous with Mr. Alexander and Mr. Yende. Now, it's likely that some of the characters were actually gypsies playing some games of their own. Many of these hoaxes were very complicated and expensive, and the perpetrators obviously had uh, not only imagination, but a sense of humor. Flying saucer enthusiasts are notably lacking in both of these qualifications. Why did anybody bother to spend an inordinate amount of time and money contriving and executing elaborate pranks against random people? The answer seems to be that the believers have always been dished up manifestations that appear to support their beliefs. Hiccups again. Believe in the devil and he's going to show up. That's an old saying, but it still tends to be true. Even older saying dating back to the dawn of history states that those whom the gods wish to destroy, they first make mad. Ancient madness has overtaken the human race in these early years of the 21st century. The skeptics want to know, why don't they contact us? The better question would be, why don't they just leave us alone? Because they have contacted us routinely for thousands of years.
Well, turning the page, so to speak, high up on a mountainside, 6,000 feet above sea level outside of Colorado Springs, Colorado, there's a tower that jutted 135 feet into the air in the summer of 1899. It was designed and erected by a tall man by the name of Nikola Tesla. Now forgotten genius who perfected alternating current and whose many contributions to our electrical age are almost inestimable. Thomas Edison walked away with most of the glory and Tesla ended up a burned out eccentric alone and ignored in a dingy Manhattan hotel room. But upon his death, all the people that descended on his room would boggle the mind. The U.S. government, no less, confiscated every piece of paper that could be found that Tesla had written on. The summer of 1899, using $30,000 given to him by Colonel John Jacob Astor, Nikola Tesla was experimenting with radio. He built a powerful transmitter and receiver and was trying to develop a method for broadcasting electrical energy through the air to eliminate the need for expensive wiring systems. Energy that could run motors and write lamps was what he intended to send through the air. And he succeeded, at least partially, because the lights and equipment in his later laboratories worked without wiring. Similar to the wireless technology we've developed today. Over 120 years after the fact. Now, thousands of miles away, a young man named Marconi was also working with batteries and coils. That summer, he managed to broadcast the letter V to a crude receiver operated by his assistants about 50 miles away. And at that point in time, these were the only operable radios on the planet. But somewhere, oh, somewhere, there was a third transmitter. One night while he was working alone in his mountain lab, his equipment came to life and he got an apparently intelligent signal. Although it was indecipherable. He said, I was familiar, of course, with such electrical disturbances as are produced by the sun, the Royal Borealis, and the earth currents. I was as sure as I could be of the fact these variations were due to none of those causes. The feeling is constantly growing on me. I've been the first to hear the greeting of one planet to another. He became the first scientist to intercept the mysterious, intelligently organized radio waves that permeate our planet and baffle generations of scientists. He was a very odd man, said to be sexless and mystical. In 1900, he told a reporter, we can't even, uh, with positive assurance, assert that some of them, uh, the ultra-terrestrials he meant, might not be present here on our world in the very midst of us. For their constitution and life manifestations may be such that uh, we're not able to perceive them. Well, he talked about that again in 1921 when American Magazine interviewed him. And in that interview, he said, During my boyhood, I suffered from a particular affliction due to the appearance of images, which was often accompanied by strong flashes of light. When a word was spoken, the image of that object designated would present itself so vividly to my vision. I couldn't tell whether what I saw was real or not. And even though I reached out and passed my hand through the image, it would remain fixed in space. Well, two years after Tesla's Colorado experiments, Marconi broadcast the letter S 
across the Atlantic and a new era of communication was born. And we were beginning radio operators throughout the world received signals that nobody could identify or understand. And some of these signals are strong. They seem to be originating only a mile or two from the receiver. And they drowned out all of the signals. And on that note, we come to the end of today's show. Suffice it to say that there's always been evidence we're not alone on this planet. Until tomorrow at this time, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.